Good morning and welcome to Rural Queensland today on the Resonate Broadcast Network, the 2nd of November. A very good morning to everybody across the Resonate Broadcast Network through 4SB in Kingaroy, 4ZR in Roma, 4VL in Charleville, 4HI in Emerald, 4LM Mount Isa, 4LG Longridge, 4GC Charters Towers in the Hot Country Network. Good morning to you. We've got a massive show for you. Uh, Mike Westing is at this moment the Deputy Commissioner of QFES, Queensland Fire and Emergency Service. He's soon to be the CEO and boss of the Rural Fire Brigade. He joins us shortly. Dave Donaghy, CEO of the Brisbane Broncos. We'll catch up with Glenn Young ahead of the PBR finals tomorrow. Luke Braddon with a weather update, and we'll look at the market reports with Anthony Highland. If you've missed any of our shows, Spotify is where you can go. Get in contact with me. Um, you can get in contact with me anytime you like. Rural Queensland today, Ben Dobbin at ruralqldtoday.com.au. Go to our Facebook page. It's all there. Let's get into it. Mike Wessing, first time. The Deputy Commissioner of the Queensland Fire and Emergency Services joins us next on Rural Queensland Today. Welcome back to Rural Queensland Today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. Our next guest is um, a first-timer on this show, but he will be on, I'm sure, many times. Uh, Mike Wessing is the Deputy Commissioner of QFest and he is soon to be the Chief of Rural Fire Brigade Queensland very shortly, the Rural Fire Brigade Services of Queensland. Mike, good morning. Thank you so much for being with us. Good morning and uh, really pleased to be here with you and I certainly look forward to uh, uh, future engagement opportunities. Oh, Mike, it's been a tough month, hasn't it? Um, we're going to talk a, a little later just to the Bureau of Meteorology, but just a snapshot today of where we're at. We've had towns saved, we've had houses lost, we've got fires raging throughout Queensland. We're in a really precarious situation at the present moment. It's been uh, an enormous season. We've we've had uh, firefighters in the southwest part of Queensland fighting fires since December last year. Um, it, it's just been an enormous effort. Last year's fire season is extended into this year. Uh, even to, right through to today, we've currently got uh, about 75 fires right across Queensland. Um, this season has been extraordinary. Um, the reason for that really is that the last two years we've had above average rainfall, which means we've now got lots of grass. Um, there's been huge efforts in terms of all the hazard mitigation and all the preparation. But the reality is when you get such amounts of fuel load and um, the conditions in terms of dry and hot, windy days, we're going to get fires, and that's what we've currently got. But it's been an enormous effort um, by all of our firefighters in the front line. So this is not something, and talking to people close over the last couple of days, this was on the map for you guys. You were aware that this potential of these fires because of the fuel load was very real. So in a lot of ways, although you guys have been absolutely working tirelessly, the expectation was that there was going to be this kind of enormity because of what that season was like last year. Yes, absolutely. Uh, we monitor the, um, the climatic conditions even annually in terms of what the big picture of climate is, if you will. Um, and, and we break that down to seasonal indications. And this is where the Bureau is um, such a benefit in terms of their expertise in this. So you have an indication of what the kind of the season you're running into. And certainly for this season, we knew we had a lot of fuel out there. It was a matter of when it was going to dry out. Um, and where, and we, we knew in our prognosis, um, both within Queensland, and we do this nationally as well, that um, 
southwest um, and into parts of central Queensland where we're going to be above average. Uh, and then literally we break that down right down to the next month, the next week and, and uh, in the current operations on a weekly and daily basis. So we, we um, plan for that. Um, our uh, The benefit in our system is we've got um, so many amazing rural fire volunteers that are out there. They live on the in the communities, they live on the ground, they work on the ground, they know the local conditions. Um, and we've got the same with some of our fire rescue firefighters as well, that in the, the auxiliary or part-time firefighters, they also live in those communities. And so that local intelligence really helps us match up with the bigger picture that we have. And then that uh, informs where we need to be prepared, how we engage with community, because ultimately it's the community as well as ourselves that need to be ready. So is that the challenge for you, becoming you know, the commissioner for rural fire, fire services and rural fire brigades, um, is that trying to make sure that every team is not more ready but aware just of – because in some ways it, it seems like some of the communities were uh, caught unaware in a little way. It, it, it came on them so quick um, that it got the jump. So is that the big goal going forward? Because we've still got – Towns and, and, and depending on the seasonal conditions today and, and moving forward, um, you know, we've got some real real challenges ahead of us. Uh, the, the challenges absolutely are real and, and we've got um, all the impacts that we've seen and the recovery efforts in supporting communities like Tara and Milmarin yeah. and others that have been um, absolutely um, impacted and, and, uh, and and some of those are our local volunteers yep. in the rural fire service and the state emergency service. Um, in terms of the preparedness, uh, it's always a challenge. Um, complacency um, can be a real challenge and we constantly, whether it be through public messaging, um, our brigades and our, um, and our volunteers are always working through local schools and local communities in terms of raising awareness and education. Um, we've got uh, enormous systems in place that right through local government through right up to state cross-government agencies that drive mitigation programs. Um, the the challenge, of course, is that there is so many other factors for local communities that they've got to think about cost of living. They've got to think about all the other things that they're um, needing to put food on the table, in effect. And so it's not about a competition for us, but it's yeah. making sure that communities actually are aware of the things that they need to be aware of what they can do and how we can help them. And that's a constant ongoing conversation. Um, and uh, these are some of the things in terms of where we're driving to uh, support our frontline volunteers more and more so to help in that, but also some of those deliveries that directly to the community. And if there's one benefit out of these fires is it raises the significance of the risk that is in our community um, around fire more broadly. I um the, the the some of the areas and Mike and, and I don't know how you navigate this one. You've got properties, country and farmers who back onto mining leases, where head offices are in Brisbane. They don't have the same appetite to put fire breaks in, and 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 then you've got those kind of dramas. How do you at the top job navigate the personalities and the different? Is there some way that because I know just outside of Mount Isa there there's a, a real mess going on because of it, it started in, a, in a, on a mining lease. No one was there. Farmers are protecting their own properties. They're having to use machinery of their own to try and to get in to put brakes in when it, it should. If it'd been looked at and done properly, um, none of this would have happened. And 
and, and raising awareness is one thing, but when it's when you're not there day in day out, it's very difficult. Yeah, it's, it's a good way to describe it. I often describe that the system is a really broad church in in the sense that uh, we've got so many players um, yeah. that are involved in this. The, the key accountability for mitigation um, and, and prevention on, on the land is the landowner and the land occupier. That is um, how our system works, and so uh, that is everything that goes to your point about this. It's not just about awareness. So we have uh, regulatory aspects where um, if people aren't doing the right thing, that we can actually, in the worst-case scenarios, in the high-risk scenarios, can make them do uh, certain things. Um, but what we prefer to do is actually work with um, all our communities, whether it be industry, whether it be uh, local government, whether it be uh, private landowners, uh, to make sure that they're doing uh, what they need to do in terms of whether it be fire breaks, um, hazard reduction burning, uh, whether it be slashing of uh, fuel or just and how that system comes together because often it's a partnership. So if you've got a road, a rail line and a local industry and a farmer, you want all of those people working together uh, in terms of who's doing what and, and, and we've got... Um, a great system that can do that. We've got what we call area fire management groups where we have volunteer representation there with our rural fire staff um, and other industry and local community groups that come together to do that local planning in terms of what that looks like and where we need to do it and that they have annual plans that drive those sorts of things. Um, but again, it's just making sure that that system is constantly working um, and that's the, the focus that we have in terms of um, Rural Fire Service and the, the future fire department uh, going forward to really focus more in on those areas that frontline people have the support that they need and those partnerships are working. Yeah, well said. Mike, I know how busy you are. You've got a real, real challenge on your hand at the moment. Thank you so much for giving me some time this morning. We will talk again. There's always issues, but I really, uh, you're talking to the heartland in rural Queensland and I know how important they are for you. So thank you so much for giving me some time this morning. Absolute pleasure, and I look forward to catching up again soon. Good on you. We will take a break, come back. Mike Wessing, uh, Rural Queensland Today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. Welcome back to Rural Queensland Today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. It's the 2nd of November, Thursday morning across Rural Queensland Today. And look, we will get to the prices out of Dolby Charters Towers and Rockhampton very shortly. But the rugby league season started for 2024 yesterday. November 1, day one of a new year in the rugby league world. And we know the heartache and like even last night I had people talking to me at the Australian Meat Industry Council dinner just about how upset they were that their Broncos were beaten. But you know what? It gives them a goal for this year. We're lucky enough to have the CEO of the Brisbane Broncos, Dave Johnny, here joining us this morning on Rural Queensland today. Dave, good morning and thanks so much for being with us. Morning, Dobbo. Absolute pleasure. Uh, look, positives, let's talk about it. What a year. Um, yep, sure, you didn't win the premiership and you came awfully close, but that your club has come so far in such a short amount of time and they're back at the top of the tree um, and building so nicely towards another big year, which began, which began yesterday. Yeah, no, thanks for saying that, Dobber. I think, um, you know, obviously the, the here and now, um, not too long ago, was it, you know, it was Plenty of disappointment post grand final, but um, you know that subsides with uh, with time. I think when we reflect back last preseason, we we're talking that it was quite a quite a positive um, preseason internally, despite a lot of noise externally, and, and and that certainly proved to be the case. So a lot of our 
our young guys take massive steps um, forward in terms of their career and their capabilities. Uh, Kev's got the, the team the team humming, uh, not just the team, but the program as well. So, you know, that's really evolved um, you know, quite, uh, quite rapidly uh, when you think of you know, some of the challenges in the past. So, you know, it's been terrific to see the, the progress and, um, you know, uh, having, uh, I suppose, climbed to the summit, not quite um, uh, put the flag down, but um, certainly climbed there and peered over the top. Uh, I'm sure it would give, um, you know, these young guys a, a taste for, for more to come next year. We look at the football played on the field and everybody says, well, gee whiz, it's great. Because the Broncos, there's an expectation that you have success. And, you know, yep, you didn't win the grand final, but, geez, you had a lot of success through the year. But it's also off the field. Um, the brand is as strong as it's ever been. I, look, I, the membership numbers, Dave, obviously every year you get some sort of gauge. But last year you broke a record and, and I think it will go on this year. I mean, people are clamouring to become members of the Brisbane Broncos, which... In, in now a market which is becoming ever more saturated with rugby league teams, the Broncos brand is still growing, which is just phenomenal. Yeah, it's a, it's a big, strong, proud footy club. It's been there for you know, a long time now, since 98, uh, 88, sorry, and you know, a lot of work has gone into it by a lot of people over many years. But um, you know, I think um, you know, coming through through COVID, um, you know, sports clubs, and particularly the Broncos to Brisbane, is... It's something that that you know, people, um, you know, it's, it's special to people, and it's important to people. So for our job, our job is to ensure that you know, we're providing a uh, an environment and experience that 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 you know um, reflects that. Um, you know, not just in Brisbane too, but you know, we know we've got many fans and members you know, outside of Brisbane. Sure. Uh, so how we engage with you know with, with our members and fans out there, that's really important. But you know, this year we were able to. We took our membership tally to to, to over forty seven thousand. So, you know, the Bronx Nation is is you know, growing, um, you know, rapidly over the past few years. And and certainly, uh, if you compare year on year, I think um, you know we hit we hit a thirty thousand mark um, last season at about March, and and this year we're already at thirty one thousand. It's I think you said it's the start of the NRL the NRL year uh, yesterday. So you know we're two days in and. Already, we're uh, we're probably six months ahead of that membership tally. So, you know, a lot of people are trending towards a, a full season membership, which is great. Um, I think you know we, we want our members and fans and sponsors to be excited about the opportunity, and you know, I'm sure they'll 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 be confident that uh, you know, everyone inside the four walls will be working really hard to to put on a great show each week. You guys have such a deep connection. We're talking with Dave Donahue, uh, CEO of the Brisbane Broncos. Your connection with rural Queensland is quite unbelievable um, that you have an unbelievable game development crew headed by Paul Dyer that, that go to the regions and, and it's been it's been the Broncos ethos since 88 it was the founding members belief and, and you've increased that and, and it's grown how important is that to 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 the Broncos because I feel like the Kurt Capewells the Charleville boys and they're everywhere. You've got Scotty Prince working there, Mount Isa. They're they're ingrained through your whole organisation. Just how important is that that the Broncos never lose that part of their DNA? Well, it's really important, I think, because it talks to authenticity. Um, you know, we're a club that wants to put experiences on that inspires and excites, inspires the next generation. Certainly excites them. Uh, you know, in the, in the here and now and. 
you know, exciting them could be uh, as, as simple as turning up some of our community programs. It could be, um, you know, signing an autograph. So, you know, it's a really privileged position that, um, you know, we understand that, that we hold and something that we, we certainly don't take it for granted. And I think that's really important to uh, to continue that, that engagement so that people have a, a real positive experience with our um, with our club. Um, you know, I know Ezra Mann was up at, up at the Torres Strait couple of weeks ago and um, you know Boyle reports um, uh, you know the amount of time that he spent um, with um, with the entire community uh, stopping and, and you know, signing autographs and taking selfies um, you know he's, he's yeah, such a pleasure nice. and, and uh, you know as, as I think all our, all our guys are we, we, you know, we've got a great locker room full of um, really um, really impressive young men uh, and young women too with their NRW uh, sure. teams so yeah, you know, we're, we're very proud of what they're doing, and, and they're doing it really well. Dave, you talked about Ezra, man, and, and it, it'd be amiss if I didn't ask you, and I, I, I feel I know the answer already, but how, how committed are you as a club um, to, to keep Ezra now that he's able to discuss and have conversations with rival clubs and also Reese? I mean, the two big brands of your club going forward um, in in your backline, and and look, you've got some superstars there as well. And I shouldn't just say the two biggest, but Reese and Ezra obviously are the headline acts at the moment with the young next generation coming through. How committed are you to, to obviously retain their services and keep them as Broncos? Oh, we're very committed. Um, you know, we've had some um, very positive. Um, uh, Discussions over a period of time, but um, you know, I think uh, you, know, you understand the, the NRL landscape yeah. very well. Dobbo. The, the November one um, date is, you know, it's a it's it's a date that has to be you know put down um, in terms of the rules and regs. But what does it actually mean? Uh, not a lot, uh, to be frank. So you know, really, for us, um, you know, I'd be worried if we had an environment that people didn't want to want to be at. Um, but I know the amount of uh, calls and um, you know people that um, uh, you know expressing an interest in wanting to um, to play at the Broncos and uh, to be at the Broncos and see what's being built. Um, you know, under Kev uh, within the football program, um, you know that certainly uh, gives me a lot of confidence that um, you know those guys will be Broncos for a long time to come, and and so they should. You know, they've grown up um, through our academy. They've um, yeah, they've, they've supported the Broncos, uh, you know, since they were kids, and I think it's a beautiful story. So you're all sure those guys are around for a long time to come. And um, my understanding uh, is, though, Dave, that you guys are a long way down the track. If I'm right in saying that, it, it's a lot further down the track than people realise. Like, you know, obviously both both those players have the same manager, and that you guys are working towards getting a result. And and you've seen it, you, you, you don't talk publicly about contract negotiations and, and that's been a commitment you've made and we saw that with Payne as well. Like you, everybody was guessing and then you came out and signed Payne to a long-term deal. Is that the hope that it, it gets sorted out sooner rather than later? I think these things, you know, they, they, they get sorted when they get sorted. Um, yeah. I think the important thing is to get the right deal for, for for both um, both parties, and yeah, you know, the, the challenge around you know speaking generally, the challenge around a salary cap environment is you, you've got a, a finite amount of money, and you've got um, you know, a, a roster of thirty players, and and um, you know, you've got to split that, I suppose, split that pie up in in thirty different ways. So 
you know, you've got to make sure the cap fits and, and that's always the, the priority. Uh, you, you're looking after that and the roster looks after itself. So, you know, it, it's um, what I will say, it's been, you know, it's been very, very positive, um, very um, you know, complimentary of, of both parties and, um, and I'm sure um, I'm sure we'll reach an outcome sooner. Yeah, well, I think um, it, the club is in, in great hands. Uh, there's no no ways about it. The only, the only critique I've got is, mate, you didn't, um, didn't produce enough pink shorts, and and mate, you, you've changed your colour this year. You've gone to an orangey sort of colour. Why, why not stick with something that worked? It was great, mate. Most demand ever with the pink shorts. Well, that was the um, you know, there's, there's different tinges of uh, of the sun. Yeah, the beautiful. Having spent uh, I think eleven years all up in in, in Melbourne, but having grown up in Gladstone, Dobbo, as you know, the, the, yeah. there's nothing like a, a sunrise and sunset. Yeah. Uh, in Queensland, so I think uh, you know the pink was more reflective of the uh, of the sunset, the, you know the deep sort of sunset at night, and and the uh, the sunstone is what they're telling me the uh, the actual orange is called is uh, is more reflective of that sunrise. sunrise. So yeah, yeah. we'll uh, I think that'll become something quite iconic. It was uh, uh, my understanding is still in terms of the NRL licensing programs, it's still the uh, uh, shorts are the number one seller in the country of any product of, of, of any range of any sport. So, you know, there's clearly great demand, whether it's, uh, you know, young fans running around in the, you know, in, in the parks thinking they're Reese Walsh or Ezra Mam or, uh, you know, my dad uh, pushing the tinny out uh, on the Calliope and, and uh, you know, trying to chase a couple of salmon. So, awesome. you know, they're, they're very popular, multi-use. Yeah, they have been. Dave, you're doing a phenomenal job. The club's in good hands. Um, it really is. Uh, a wonderful, wonderful position as they head towards the 24 season. I know pre-season starts in the three weeks and, and we sort of grind back and, and hopefully the club can go one better. Yeah, it certainly, you know, it all, all starts again, Dobbo. It's been, you know, as we started, it's um, been a really uh, positive year and, and, and a lot of progress made right across the board. But, um, uh, you know, uh, a new season comes... Uh, comes on us now, and um, yeah, really looking forward to the, that that challenge ahead. I think we've got some unique challenges. Uh, we've got uh, a game in, in the United States for the first time, and um, and, uh, and a new squad um, under Kev again. So you know, it, it's um, it all starts in earnest in in four or five months, and uh, but a lot of work over the preseason to get them ready. Awesome, awesome. Thanks so much for being with us this morning. Pleasure, Dobbo. Thanks, Good mate. Dave Donaghy, Rural Queensland Today. Thursday morning, 2nd of November, Anthony Highland joining us now on Rural Queensland Today. 2,500 roughly in Dolby yesterday. Numbers sort of similar to Roma on Tuesday. Anthony, good morning. Thanks so much for being with us. Uh, morning, Ben. Uh, we've certainly seen a rise in the market due to numbers over the last uh, week. Some Look, promising signs. I don't want to get ahead of myself by any means, but a, a certainly a dearer market yesterday uh, in Dolby um, and good signs that it might continue. Yeah, absolutely, Ben. It, well, I suppose we've just been correlating the, the talk of numbers in the market for the last few weeks or even six weeks, realistically, and they haven't uh, been any greater or larger. So I see now they are competing on a limited number of cattle. Um, I think the numbers out in the paddocks have slowed down too. So, but anyway, look, the job was better. Process has found a, a bit of a new leg and new form. Um, you know, back up to two. Not that it was everywhere, but we did see some two dollars for for some good Western cows with the trip under them. 
Um, cows local to, to Dolby on the downs probably, you know, got to the 170 or 80, uh, but that sort of maxed them out. Um, Bullocks, yeah, what was there? Again, stronger. Um, but the, the big improvement then we see in the feeder, the, the feeder steer category. Um, you know, the few blokes might be short on a few loads for the new year or need some cattle, but again, just, just competing on such a limited number of stock to, to fill up on at the moment. So the, the, you know, the, they're having to compete and they're having to pay, pay a little bit more to get. Well, that's the big thing. Um, so where was that job yesterday? Uh, yeah, hundred day feeders, two dollars thirty and forty. Wow. Um, saw those trade trade. Yeah, they look still cattle depending on breed and quality. Then again, I suppose, but that's, it wasn't for everyone. But but certainly consistent um, prices in that category. Uh, trade weight feeders, three fifty kilos. Again, getting up to the fifty. Also, they really wanted to be two thirty, but but you know they were pushing each other to two dollars forty. Uh, heifers still sub. Yeah, you might have seen an odd feeder heifer get to two dollars, but but she had to be good and um, had to be a good good full pen. Uh, a lot of those heifers still seventy five, eighty. Um, had some three hundred and thirty kilo heifers there, pretty fair types. And and look, they were still from a dollar thirty five to a dollar sixty, so a dollar forty two average for sort of three hundred and thirty or forty kilos. So yeah, the market the market has improved or looks to be improving. Um, but you know, there's still prices there that mightn't reflect the full improvements, I suppose, Ben. Yeah, you did right. Um, hey, listen, talk to me about um, the store job. How was that? Again, um, yeah, better. Uh, so, yeah, so the, the good cattle, Ben, the full pens, the steers that were there uh, with a bit of quality and, and store condition. Um, yeah, look, 10, 10 to 20 stronger for the lead of them. Um, the mid category range on quality and, and, and whatever you probably didn't reach, uh, full support in compared to the better types, but it just felt a bit better. Then people want to start cattle instead of hanging and dwelling and, 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 and looking up to the sky for an extra, you know, an extra man to bid on cattle. If, you know, they, they wanted to start them. Cattle were starting, uh, pretty well there. You know, it was just everyone was getting on with the job and, and trying to buy them, get, get into them, uh, talk a rain next week and hopefully something can start there for us Ben. Yeah and that's what everybody needs. Um, How's the town holding up? You know you're in the Boulogne St George and surrounding areas Uh, Relatively uh, sound Ben still you know as the township goes I mean look the the main vein in St George the river it's uh, we didn't think it would stop running again you know from the last few seasons but it's it's stopped and and look the level's quite low um Albeit, I think there'll be a bit of irrigated, um, you know, forage and commodity crop go in. I don't believe a lot of the cotton fellas have the uh, enough water to do a full a full cotton throw at this stage. So they're looking at corns and and, and sorghums and, and what have you. So uh, things will happen and progress. But um, you know, we're going to need uh, need that river to run for for all these fellas to be fully involved this season. It's just. Um, Oh, look, I think Cubby and those guys with, with the good storage, I think they're okay to roll on and, and get a bit done. But uh, at this point in time, they're, they're, um, you know, they're very limited to do what they can do this summer. Yeah, you're dead right. You're dead right. It, it, look, we just hope that rain continues. So Dolby Deera, um, obviously, uh, we will watch and have a look as that continues. Appreciate your time this morning. Thank you so much. 
I'll continue on um, also. I really appreciate your time this morning, Anthony Highland from Grant, Daniel Long, St. George. Let's now have a look at Charters Towers. And um, look, there was 2,568 in Charters Towers. Um, This is following no sale last week. It was dominated by a large single vendor line of lightweight northern wieners. And obviously, um, increased restock of competition saw the lighter steers improve 25 to 50 cents. Heavy steers and bullocks and processors up around 15, and prime cows mostly firm. Steers under 200 returning to the paddock, average 262, selling to a top of 276. Steers above 200 made 262 to average 245. Smaller heifers under 200 returning to the paddock, they sold to 132 to average 127. Heifers above 200, averaged 121, and uh, to feed 218, 171 to 189. Yearling heifers uh, to feed made 136 to average 127. Heavy full mouth bullocks to export made $1.90. A small sample of live export um, bullocks, 168. Medium weight lifting cows, 159 to average 140. Prime heavyweight cows topped at 190. And heavy bulls to live to export made 202 to 178 processor line. So that was a good result for everybody. Um, Mick Kingham um, was obviously reporting that as well. So Charters Towers back and operating. Um, we'll look at Gracemere now, and and obviously they've had um, lots going on there with bull sales. Um, but yesterday, uh, they yarded 1,453 heads. So the three sales yesterday, Dolby, Charters Towers and Gracemere, uh, all in all, in essence, roughly around 7,000 head in total, which is well down on where it's been. Cattle were drawn from all through, uh, from Jinjin to Mowra and Mackay. Uh, variable lines of cattle. Few improvements could be seen other than the quality-related ones. And the feeder pens. Feeders got very, very dear. Lightweight yielding steers got dearer as well. Feeders got up to two thirty nine for growing steers, um, and that is bullocks to one eighty four. Trade weight condition growing heifers sold to the top price of one eighty five, and they went from there. Small sample of cows and calves four seventy five to a thousand dollars a unit. So things improving as we we continue to roll. And uh, But just not the numbers at the moment. People waiting for rain and obviously just sitting back and concerned about what's going on. We'll take a break, come back. This is Rural Queensland today. You're with Ben Dobbin. Lots to get through this morning across the Resonate Broadcast Network. Welcome back to Rural Queensland today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. Um, the boss of the PBR here in Australia is Glenn Young and this weekend in Townsville is the epicentre, the PBR Australia Grand Finals. Kicking off tomorrow and Saturday at the Townsville Entertainment and Convention Centre. Glenn Young, good morning. What a year it has been. How are you, my friend? Thanks for having me, Bob. Yeah, it has been a big year and um, we were all pretty happy to see the end of it. (laughs) There's lots going on. I mean, and look, you're early than normal. Um, You know, from your tour dates, it's been very successful. Um, You know, in COVID times, it was a bit later, but this is... um, the, the Grand Poobah, this is where it all culminates and what a season it has been. Let's start, go back from the beginning. How how tough has this year been and how many miles you travelled? Oh, look, I haven't even uh, worked out the miles, but it, uh, we, we sort of kicked off the season with uh, the Bad Festivals, which was a, a new product that we sort of put together and um, I guess it was a, wasn't the smartest move starting a year like that, but it, it did certainly create the momentum for the rest of the year and... Um, you know, we've been all over the place from, you know, regional Queensland to, 
to Brisbane, to Cairns, to, you know, regional New South Wales, from Canamble to, to Newcastle, to Tamworth. And, and, you know, it's been just one of those seasons where the, the riders have really stepped up to the mark. They're riding more bulls than they ever had, you know, this season. So it's been really good watching. There, there is a lot of stories around this um, and this weekend. And you, you, you go in, it, it's still not decided. Am I right in saying that? There is still a lot to happen over the course of the next couple of days. Yeah, look, last year, going into the same situation, I would have said, look, this would have been a decided, uh, you know, title, you know, with Aaron being in the lead and stuff like that. But, you know, Cody Heffernan last year knocking um, Aaron off the, off the block, you know, on the last ride of the night. I mean, that still can happen this year. You know, you still got Aaron in second place. And, and you know what Clyde's like? I mean, he can ride, you know, five, six, ten bulls in a row if he gets his head to it. And, um, and that's all he needs to do is, is get out and ride every single bull. But so does McCauley to keep his lead. So it's going to be a... It's going to be a good one to watch. I mean, both guys can put big big scores on the board and uh, both have ridden all the best balls that we've got. So it's going to be a drawn game uh, come this weekend. Support-wise from crowds, and look, obviously the grand final in Townsville, with the home of the PBR in Australia, um, support-wise has been huge, hasn't it? Um, the fans' record numbers, everybody where I talk to, and, and, and obviously your operations manager and Simon Mallory, I know you've got Josh Maguire working there as well. Um, it, it is really starting to just grow and grow. And we saw that with the State of Origin Series. We saw that when they come to Brisbane, it's a sellout every time. Yeah, it has been. It's been a weird year. You know, we all thought, you know, coming into the way with uh, what the interest rates are doing, we thought we might be getting to an elasticity point. But, I mean, fans still are showing. I mean, you know, this will be the first year for quite a while since pre-COVID that we sold out the grand finals for both nights. So it's, um, I think there was only about... 106 tickets left for the Friday night um, as of today, so uh, they'll, they'll move over the next couple of days. So it's going to be a full crowd, and it's going to be great watching. And, and obviously, that Townsville Entertainment Centre delivers some great atmosphere. But you know, I think it's um, you know a testament to the team that you know the shows that we put on, but also the riders and the contractors that put the, uh, the bulls together, and obviously the riders putting out the effort to get those bulls rode. That's sort of been keeping the fans coming back, and it's just been a great year. And we're definitely looking forward to next year. You know, as we expand into two two day shows for, for the most of the tour. So is is that the next is that the next plan and and when do you release your program for next year? Um, look, it'll be released in coming weeks. We've released it to the riders so they can sort of plan their trips around, you know, getting overseas and, and competing back here in Australia at the same token. Uh, but yeah, in the next couple of weeks, we'll be releasing the twenty twenty four tour. But it's it's a full calendar. I mean, you know, we're we're starting out in, in South Australia at uh, Marable, and we'll work all our way north to Cairns, and we're out to Winton again and. Um, you know, we're sort of all through New South Wales and Queensland and we'll step over the border into Victoria with the Meatstock Festivals and uh, the Melbourne Muster as well. Mate, how do we, um, when you look at the world standing at the moment, um, just at this moment, there, there is not a, um, there's not an Aussie in the top 50. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that's because they're not competing over there, but where does it rank, like, with the Bulls and the Riders compared to what's going on in America at the moment? Um, yeah, look, it's been one of those unique years where we haven't had guys, uh, you know, into that top 50, but it's, it's the way that they've, uh, you know, because we've launched the new team series, um, which goes from May to November or end of October, and then obviously the individual contest goes from November to May. Um, so the point system's changed. Our guys are still qualifying into the, the velocity finals and, and everything like that. They're definitely in the top 50 there, which is the feeder system into the, yep. the Unleash the Beast. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, you've got to take Brady Fielder. You know, he's had a sensational year on the team still. Uh, with the Texas Rattlers, you've got Quinn Anderson over there. He's been riding great. Both guys are coming back for the grand finals, but they're holding up the flag. But soon you'll see the guys like Macaulay Leatherhead over there and Sam Woodland 
and you start seeing some Aussie flags back in that standings. And that's obviously where you're going. Where do the Bulls rank? Like, and and when you get, you know, riders from overseas come over, where where do our Bulls rank compared to the US Bulls? Look, there's uh, definitely a couple of Bulls in the country that would fit in the top, you know, I'd probably say the top 15 in the world. Um, but, you know, a lot of our Bulls are just, just that next level down, but they're the, the Bulls that, you know, Cowboys want to get on, you know, they're going to deliver high schools. Sure. They're very consistent. Get anyone to the winner's uh, window and, and everything like that. So I'd, I'd like to say we can definitely mix, uh, our Bulls would mix it with the best in the world, but, I mean, you know, there's some, just some superstars over there at the moment in the, in the Bull game and, um, you know, and, and there's no doubt that we'd probably have one or two too. Is, I mean, you know, you've got Pretty Boy that's never been ridden, which really needs a world-class rider on him to really push him to his limits and, and see how good that bull is. But, you know, you've got Dittman with Roid Rage and Rambo and, and Boogers Beach and uh, his new one, Cowboy Train, and now Boss Hog. I mean, that guy's just got a, a you know, a truckload of bulls that, you know, would fit into the U.S., uh, you know, events quite easily. Yep. And, and so same with Peter Wallace and, and Troy Keeler and TNR. You know, they've all got some top bulls and they would all, you know, shine and, and definitely, um, yeah, I, I guess, you know, put the Australian Bulls on the map if they were over there, that's for sure. The big thing that I think, and we're talking Glenn Young, uh, national finals kicking off the grand final tomorrow night and Saturday, Townsville Convention Centre. The, the, the big thing about it is that it is now such an entertainment sport and it's one for all families. I mean, it's as much as what goes on in between and, and you know, with the, your rodeo clowns and, and the entertainment, it's a spectacle and... You can take any kid there. Uh, it's family orientated. It's clean. It's not rough, and it, it really has become an event where everybody can be involved. Yeah, look, it's something that we've always sort of, you know, we've always thought we've been males, eighteen to forty-five year old in the demographic. But when you sit there and look out at the crowd, I mean, there's a lot of families, a lot of kids. And the thing about the kids is they're not up, uh, you know, you know, wanting to to get around and run about. They're they're into the game as well. So, you know, they're watching the match, and there's just enough to keep them entertained and. And obviously the shows are long enough to where they don't get bored and, and stuff like that. But, you know, it's it's for the families. It's for the young and the old. And, you know, we've got some fans there that are 90-plus that after every show you'll get a phone call off them and tell them how good we went or how bad we went. You know, they're just the long-term fans that we support. And, um, yeah, it's just one of those events that sort of pertains to everybody. But, you know, at the end of the day, they always say, you know, what can you expect? We, you, know, you expect the unexpected when you come to the PBR because, you know, you just don't know what each and every rider is going to do, you know, when they nod their head and, and, and the gate cracks. Yeah, I can't wait for it. Looking forward to uh, seeing who who wins it, in your opinion. I am the worst punter in the world, Dobbo, but I'm going to go for Macaulay Leather. Um, you know, he's had a sensational season. He's riding great. His body's healthy. Uh, but, you know, if you had to go on someone that's coming in as a wild card and is super determined and super uh, keen to make a, you know, a break at these finals, I'd have to say Aaron Clark's going to be between those two. Um, but, you know, you can't forget the likes of Kurt Shepard, who's just won Tamworth on the weekend. He's in hot form. Lachlan Richardson's on the on the bubble there. Um, Jackson Gray's been riding great all year. I mean, you could go down that list, and any one of them could really jump out and win this event, uh, you know, win the finals, which is still probably the second biggest title to winning the Australian Championship. Because, you know, once you win that finals, you've dominated the best Bulls and competed against the best Cowboys in the country. So it's a, it's a, a unique win for, for a guy, and it's uh, one that they really want to get on, get the buckle for. Unreal. Glenn Young, best of luck. You do a phenomenal job. Best of luck. I hope it all finishes uh, well for you. You get a well-earned break. And we might talk to you in the next couple of weeks once those dates are released for next year. Sounds good. Thanks for having me, Dobbo. Good on you. Glenn Young, um, the boss of the PBR in Australia. The final's on tomorrow and Sunday. We'll take a break, come back with more. This is Rural Queensland Today with Ben Dobbin.
Welcome back to Rural Queensland today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. It's Thursday morning, the 2nd of November. You're with Ben Dobbin across Rural Queensland today. We've had a huge show so far this morning. Let's um, talk about the one and only big issue at the moment, and that's the weather. Um, I began getting constant emails day in, day out around this, and the bushfires have been devastating through the Western Downs. Look, there's Warnings this morning in Springshaw. Uh, I know we talked to Marcus Kerr uh, up there on the territory border uh, just above Mount Isa. They've been fighting fires as well. It has not been good. Queensland is ablaze. Luke Bradham, one of the uh, chief weather reporters for Channel 9 and a good friend of mine. He's been on this show many times before. He joins me this morning on Rural Queensland today. Hello, Luke. Good morning. Thanks so much for being with us, mate. Yeah, g'day, Dobbo. I'm sad to say that I uh, firsthand uh, got to see the... Uh uh, effects of those bushfires you just mentioned last week. I was out uh, in the Western Downs area and uh, yeah, incredible. I'd actually never been uh, face-to-face with uh, the power of bushfires before, but uh, to see it firsthand was uh, quite incredible, the power of these uh, these systems that we're seeing springing up, un- unfortunately, more regularly around uh, rural Queensland. And, uh, yeah, un- and uh, from uh, what the Bureau's telling us, it's something we're probably going to have to... Uh, uh, come to terms with that we might be seeing a little bit more of them, unfortunately. Yeah, so th- that, that's the message that, you know, obviously we're in an Nino cycle at the present moment um, and we look towards the long-term future and, you know, th- yes, there will be some flash flooding, yes, there'll be some storms, but at the moment the modelling doesn't look like there's any over-the-top and above-average rainfall, which is concerning. No, quite the uh, quite the opposite, Dobbo. So what the modelling was that uh, was released from the Bureau late last week, and I actually saw this uh, with uh, when I was in the fire zone uh, that's still raging, by the way, uh, where, where I was out around Tara. Uh, but the modelling came out, and it, it was honestly devastating news to receive, uh, particularly in that neck of the woods, uh, but for pretty much the entire country. Uh, what the Bureau's warning us is that we will see above-average daytime temps around the country uh, this summer. Uh, we'll see above-average nighttime temps around the country. We're going to see below-average rainfall, and we'll also see uh, the effects of these bushfires because what we've got at the moment in the, in the, in the ground is below-average moisture. Uh, they're saying that the moisture levels uh, on average around the country are about 30% below average. And what that's uh, leading to are these fuel-fired bushfires that we've seen uh, raging through the Western Downs that uh, we just can't seem to get on top of at the moment. There is so much fuel for these fires. I was talking to one of the fireys out there and he said, this is a, this is a fuel fire around that Tara region at the moment with there's just so much... Uh, uh, vegetation that that's able to feed on, and uh, and and the, the the grass is just all dead, and uh, it just moves so quickly. And uh, we are being warned that we're going to see a, uh, a well being being warned to prepare uh, for a really bad bushfire season. Obviously, we're already seeing it in Queensland, but we could see it. Um, we're being told uh, right the way around the country, and it's uh, in polar opposites to what we've seen, Dobbo, over the last couple of years. Uh, where we've seen above-average rainfall, above-average cyclones, uh, we've, uh, we, we, but we are this uh, this year being um, warned to, to prepare for the polar opposite, and that's below-average rainfalls. Uh, we're likely to see uh, less uh, cyclone activity around, 
Uh, but we are going to see some scorching temps, and uh, yeah, and, uh, and and we're going to see the uh, the effects of these bushfires. Yeah, and it's a worry. Um, look, the Bureau of Meteorology has come out, and they're obviously doing a, a, a lot at the present moment. But the forecast for the next couple of days, um, it, it is a fraction cooler. But you know, when you talk to people in Mount Isa, you know, it, it's it's. Um, you know, it, it, it's really concerning. Hey, mate, I uh, really appreciate your time this morning. I know you're on the way to Toowoomba today, um, and obviously you've been heavily involved in the coverage of the bushfires as well as uh, your weekly sections um, of the Bureau of Meteorology working for, with Channel 9 and, and reporting on the weather. Appreciate your time. Thanks so much for being with us this morning on Rural Queensland today. Hey, Dobbo, only good news I can give you, mate, is uh, we will have for in the short term uh, just some cool attempts around and the prospect of a, a, a sprinkle of rain coming uh, towards the, uh, the the weekend and into the early stages next week. But she's certainly not drought breaking, mate. We're only talking about five to ten millimetres for some areas in the west, and that's uh, that's if we get lucky. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I yeah, absolutely, absolutely agree, mate. It, look, there is some rain on the horizon, but just how much we get, well, that will be yeah. very interesting. Good on you, Luke. Great to chat. Anytime. Thanks so much. We'll take, a, we'll take a break, come back. Rural Queensland today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. You're with Ben Dorbin. It's the 2nd of November across rural Queensland today. Well, that's it from us here this morning at Rural Queensland today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. I hope you've enjoyed the show. Gary Hargraves is replacing Bill McDonald this week. He joins you next. We will be back tomorrow morning, 9am on Rural Queensland today. You're with Ben Dobbin. Have a great day. Remember, when the weed is ripe, keep the headers rolling in the paddock. Till next time, from everybody here at Rural Queensland today, stay safe on the roads. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. Bye for now.